for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Hey, Super Bowl week has arrived. Yes, the Jacks and the Yotes will finally be playing in hoops. And we will get the clashes we didn't get in last March's Summit League Tournament. And there's a football game on Sunday. Uh, Matt Zimmer, your excitement level for... Mahomes versus Brady. We're not going to spend a bunch of time on this right now because we did it at the front end of last week, but we'll do our own little Super Bowl previewing and bantering later in the hour. But uh, but it just, uh, you know, you you wake up on Monday of Super Bowl week, scale of 1 to 10. Uh, on Monday, it's pretty low, but my excitement generally gets higher and higher as the week goes on. And uh, this year... On the one hand, like, you know, I like to have people over for the Super Bowl if I can or go to someone else's house for the Super Bowl. This year that won't be happening, obviously. So that would normally uh, really decrease the the excitement. Uh, Plus, Jen and I don't have Arthur this weekend, so it'll just be the two of us and she couldn't possibly care less. Yeah. Uh, But one thing that does turn up the excitement a little bit. Uh, Jen and I bought new furniture this weekend and it's getting delivered on Saturday. So we're going to have this brand new couch in the basement in front of our big tv oh. uh, I, I don't know the last time you were here you probably remember we had that crappy old furniture yes and uh we, we got rid of half of it um back when i went to austin for a while and now we just have this one crappy couch in the basement it's terrible and like we've been <laughs> okay. kind of like yeah you know we're, we're trying to just get through the pandemic and you know like all right you know new furniture isn't really a high priority in the middle of pandemic we're not doing anything but Lately, we've been like, all right, we spend every waking moment at home. True. This fucking sucks. We need a new couch. So new couch will be here on Saturday, and I'm looking forward to kind of sprawling out on the, the new digs and, and watching the football game. Well, congratulations. Uh, I, I, Thanks, John. I'm sure, I'm sure our plan <laughs> – aren't you fancy? Uh, I did – I think I watched one Super Bowl at your house, and that was the most boring Super Bowl yeah. ever. Uh, the Patriots and the Rams, 13-3. to Um completely forgettable game and i remember having the argument on the air the next day with craig maddock about uh how awfully boring it was and of course craig and i love craig to death but he was all about oh that was just great defense I'm like okay yeah that's what we that's what the nation wanted 13 to 3 yeah that's what we want um yeah i'm good gilbert and i are pro- i'm guessing gonna do the same thing uh i don't but pre-COVID, Zim, obviously you just have people over at your house because I'm just guessing you're the type that doesn't like to travel anywhere out of town or very often out of your house. So I'm not surprised you keep it there most of the time. And I, I never loved Super Bowl parties, but I used to go to them a lot more when I was single in my 20s and early 30s. In the last few years, I want no part of them. I want to watch the game. And I, I enjoy commercials like everybody else does. I can't hear them if I've got a bunch of other people. And you would, I think you would share this experience with me as uh, being somebody who works in sports, albeit at a hyper local level. I don't know about you, but with me, especially if I go to parties where I don't know everybody there, they want, you know, they want to pick your brain about the game and the teams. And, um, or, at, or in my case, they're probably doing it just to be nice, just to make me feel special. They probably don't really care what I think. But um, I am quite happy just to have as few people as possible watching the Super Bowl with me. You? I never I, – I mean, I've been to several Super Bowl parties that were fun. I mean, you may remember – you may have even come at least once – uh, our good friend Biff had a Super Bowl party here in the neighborhood. Like <laughs> I would have remembered that, so I I know I didn't. I, but yeah, I can I can um, I can imagine how that was because it was probably the it to, was probably the Biff show. I went over to his place like six or seven years in a row, uh, in large part because it was walking distance. So if I was going to somebody else's house, I didn't have to drive drunk. Um, so I'd walk over there, and he always he always went the extra mile with the food and the he has two flat screen TVs in his living room. So you can kind of do the almost the sports bar type of thing. And, uh, you know, usually it was a gathering of five to eight people, and it was all people that I knew. Uh, so that was always fun. I never, you know, if, if I get invited to a Super Bowl party and I don't know more people than I know, I'm not going. So um, 
I don't have a lot of experience with that. <laughs> I, and yeah, I, now that I have my own home and it's actually like, and now that I have, for the first few years I lived in this house, I did, I had an unfinished basement. Now I have the whole thing fully ready to go and furnished and whatnot. Like, yeah, why would I want to go somewhere else when I can just be in the comfort of my own home and the toilet's right there. The, the, uh, <laughs> the toilet's right there. Yeah. The mini fridge is in the basement. Yeah, there's that's that's kind of how I like to do it. Yeah, I'm with you on the not driving a drunk thing and being able to walk if you're not going to be at home. And uh, when I lived in Lincoln, I lived less than a mile from the main street of bars. And so a few years there, I would just go down. There was one that was kind of my favorite dive that always had a chili cook-off. So... Um, I guess I was adventurous in <laughs> just sampling several different strangers' chili recipes uh, in addition to drinking as much as I could. And a couple times I'd go home and then wake up and, oh, who won the Super Bowl? Uh, so I just kind of stopped. I, I had my fill of that. But I also had some friends who lived outside of Lincoln, like 20 miles away one year. And these are like my best friends in Lincoln. And some guy who had a house out in the country, which usually is like, okay, great. You can party and make noise. And I, I, I same with you. I just had, I'm like, well, if I go, then I can't really get drunk, <laughs> you know, I, or I mean, I could, but it'd be really risky and I don't want to drive home. So I stayed, stayed downtown. Um, and, uh, but there is an option for those of you who are Chiefs fans, just like there was last year for the Super Bowl, the Gateway will, of course, uh, be a great place with their 30 TVs. It's way too damn cold for them to do the uh, big projection thing outside. They've got the outdoor heated patio, though, and they will have custom shirts there. Run it back. Chiefs shirts with the kind of like, you know, the Scott Van Pelt Sports Center logo of Scott Van Pelt's bald head and the headphones and the glasses. They have the same thing of Andy Reid wearing a hat that says Champs. And uh, it also reads Arrowhead North, which is what they call the gateway because it is a Chiefs bar. And uh, so they'll have uh, giveaways, including some of those shirts, which can also be purchased. They're awesome food. They're great staff. So if you're a Chiefs fan and you're feeling adventurous and want to go out, uh, that would it, it, I would probably I think I could safely say about the gateway this time. If you're not a Chiefs fan, don't know if it's the best place to go, but uh, they're not going to have a hard time uh, having people come through the door because uh, as we've discovered we have a lot of Chiefs fans in the area uh, have you sensed that by the way have you sensed there there been any sort of growing contingency of Chiefs fans or has there always been that in Sioux Falls uh, there's always been a decent amount of them uh, you know the best measurement to me was when I was in high school because you know high school kids generally tend to wear sports paraphernalia yeah. almost all the time um, and there were there were plenty of Chiefs shirts and jackets and such when I was in school. I have a couple close friends specifically who I instantly think of when I think of the Chiefs because I knew, you know, back in the 90s that was their team. Um, I've always felt like this area, you know, obviously the Vikings are, are probably number one and probably the Packers number two. And then, you know, smattering of Bears. There's a ton of Steelers fans for whatever reason. There are everywhere. Yeah, they are. There are. And but I might th- I might go with the Steelers as the third most popular team in the area. Maybe the Bears. Um but yeah. then the Chiefs are right up there. I mean, obviously for obvious reasons. I mean, they're actually no farther away really than Minneapolis is. Just a little bit anyway. Yeah. Yep, so, and and the, yeah. the CBS affiliate who carries the AFC games always seems to have the Chiefs almost every Sunday. When I was a kid it was the Broncos. There were, the Broncos were always mm-hmm. on the the NBC the ABC affiliate which was NBC at the time. Yeah. So there were there were a lot of Broncos fans back then when I was like in grade school, middle school, but that seemed to to that constant Broncos always being the team on on the other channel seems to sort of dissipate around the time Elway retired, so that isn't as much mm. of a thing anymore, it feels like. Yeah, for what I've noticed, uh, if the Chiefs aren't playing a primetime game, which they are half the weeks now since Mahomes, you'll have them at noon if they're at home or not out west, and then the Broncos play their home games, usually uh, at 3.20 slot, and they'll be the, they'll be the afternoon game. Um, although the last few years they've not been very good and there have been more attractive games that Jim Nance and Tony Romo have on that station at 325. So, But yeah, I mean, I think so. There's the Chiefs fans have always been here, but then there's the added element of obviously uh, you're going to have a bandwagon team when that a team is that offensively explosive and fun to watch and you have a quarterback that is that cool, that, I mean, and that's fun to watch what other words are there to say for Patrick Mahomes that he's uh, you know he's he's and we'll get to this later 
growing kind of a Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods type of thing uh, when it comes to sports in America, to the Americana, sports culture, beyond sports. Um, he, you know, he's pretty much got it all right now. Big reason why I think the Chiefs will win, duh. And, uh, and so there's that. But, and, and you know what? The Vikings don't have that. They could have that. Uh, in Deshaun Watson. That's where I want to go here um, because we just saw the big Rams-Lions trade and Matthew Stafford goes to the Rams, which good for him. Talk about a late-in-life upgrade. Um, And what was it? A couple first-round picks, one third-round pick, plus Jared Goff. Uh, So the Lions are screwed. The Vikings don't have to worry about Detroit ever having an upheaval. Not that we ever have had to worry about that for our lives. Uh, but so it tells you, though, what you can get for Stafford, who to me, Zim, is a top 10, top 15-ish quarterback, just like Kirk Cousins. Maybe there is a market for Kirk Cousins, and I've got a roundabout way to where it would be worth it for the Vikings to try to find their way to make a good deal, to get the haul that they could uh, that they could give uh, for for Deshaun Watson. So there's, there's a lot at play here. There's a, there's a tweet out of San Francisco. Uh, from a fairly unknown sports writer, but it says, and this is not a surprise, that that uh, the Niners coach, Kyle Shanahan, likes Kirk Cousins and uh, would like to see him play for the San Francisco 49ers. And so what are your thoughts about all this? For, uh, I'll let you take it any way you want to. First about uh, the Niners seem, seeming to be the only team that actually wants Kirk Cousins. Um, and... and uh, and, and if you think it's worth the Vikings to be on the phones and trying to make a deal. Um, I mean, I'm certainly intrigued by the idea of trading Kirk Cousins. I don't think necessarily that the Stafford trade means that's an indication of what the Vikings would get for him. Uh, I personally think Kirk Cousins is better than Matthew Stafford, at least at this stage in both of their careers. I think Stafford's overrated. I think his best days are behind him. And I do think he makes the Rams better, and that's a good landing spot for him. And given that the NFC isn't very good right now, you know, that might make them the favorite. I don't know. Uh, But the Rams still way overpaid. I mean, two first-rounders and a third-rounder and a Jared Goff who I don't think we can just give up on Jared Goff. I mean, he he has not been an elite quarterback by any means, but he's still pretty young. Uh, I think the Lions won that trade handily. I think that's a great trade for them. Um, So it would be great to think that, okay, that's what they got for Matt Stafford, who's, in my opinion, not as good as Kirk Cousins. Well, what can the Vikings get? Well, I think Stafford has a better reputation than Cousins. I think there's this sort of narrative that, well, he's been on this shitty team forever, so we don't know how good he is or can be. I mean, that's probably true, but also it's kind of one of those, you know, prove a negative sort of things. Like, we've seen Kirk Cousins play for a decent Washington team a couple times. We've seen him play for a good Vikings team, and he hasn't really taken them anywhere so he's already kind of shown, like, well, maybe this is as good as he can do or whatever. Whereas mm-hmm. Stafford Stafford still has that sort of plausible deniability. Like, well, if you put me on a good team, you never know. We're about to find out with Stafford. Um, like I said, I, I don't think at this stage in his career he's nearly the player he was a few years ago. Um, and even, you know, he was on a couple good Lions teams when they had freaking Megatron and a pretty good defense, and they didn't go anywhere. So, anyway, I'm battling. The, the point is, That's you know, fair. Do, I think, do I think they're going to get – you know, three first-round draft picks for Kirk Cousins. If they no. could, do it, absolutely. Um, but they're not going to get that. And if they don't get, you know, whether it's from the 49ers or anyone else, a really attractive offer, I would keep him. Because as much as uh, he has this reputation for being bad or, or whatever, as much as the narrative has turned into he's this overpaid, can't win the big one, milk toast, whatever quarterback, he's been pretty good. Uh, for the last, since the Vikings got it. And this year in particular, I thought uh, for the second half of the season, he played about as well as he has in a Vikings uniform. And it's sort of one of those be careful what you wish for things because if they trade him and don't get much for him, and then, you know, I don't know, are they swapping him for Garoppolo and then, dra- you know, similar to the Lions Rams trade, or do they trade him for draft picks and then have to go out and sign a free agent? I, I don't know. Um, but I would only do that. D- I-, I guess what I'm saying is, so many Vikings are fans are like, yes, do it. If anyone will take him, do it under any circumstance. That's not really how I look at it. Do it if you get a good offer somewhat in the ballpark of what, you know, Stafford got. But otherwise, I say keep him because he's still a good quarterback. <sighs> well, 
Sean McVay had a had an interesting line about all of this. The Rams are no doubt the the team, and the Vikings have been this team before. When you think about the big deals they struck for Jared Allen, this is within the Ziggy Wilf era, and uh, the the. Rick Spielman era, too. The the haul that they had to give up for Jared Allen. And I can't remember the exact deal for Brett Favre, but uh, they've taken big swings. Obviously, they took big swings on just getting Cousins as a free agent in the first three-year guaranteed quarterback type of free agent deal. Uh, so that's why we, we could actually be thinking perhaps the Vikings are are, are thinking about this and should be. Uh, you're going to have to give up a lot for Deshaun Watson. I think it'd be worth it, and I'll tell you how in a moment. I don't I don't want to get into – I don't want to go down the path that we've gone down a few times already about how valuable of a quarterback Kirk Cousins is or how much when the Vikings don't succeed ultimately in big games, how much of Kirk Cousins' fault it is. I understand they were statistically a top-five total yard offense this year. They were 11th in scoring. You know my thing about how they are too bullheaded about running the ball, blah, 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 blah. Sean McVay said, you know, he didn't worry about what he was giving up. He I, I, he didn't worry about the deal. He didn't worry about the deal. He, he he doesn't want a great deal. There it is. Here it is. I don't want a great deal. I want to win the Super Bowl. And the Rams, for what it's worth, you know, they they have they, they have been willing to give up a lot for good established players like Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I, I, I can't remember if Aaron Donald came from somewhere else. But this is a team that's famous for making these kind of deals because they want to win the Super Bowl. The Vikings are not going to win the Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. Now, here is uh, he's not responsible enough for big game wins, uh, the big time money performances besides that thing in New Orleans last year in the playoffs. Uh, he's, he's just not the guy that's going to get you there. So Phil Mackey in the Twin Cities, uh, who is a sports talk host, Score North, tweeted this today, and it's an interesting tweet to play off of. When Kirk gets traded to San Fran and the Vikings turn around and send the Hall of Picks to Houston for Deshaun Watson, just remember you all laughed at Judd Zolgad and me for being too reckless in our speculation. Okay, so that's 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 his thought, that there is at least some sort of report out there that uh, says that, and again, it's not the first time we've heard this, that for some reason, I don't know if he's obsessed with Kirk Cousins, but he really likes Kirk Cousins, and that's Kyle Shanahan because he worked with Cousins in Washington. And uh, they're not thrilled with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy gets hurt. Uh, NFL stands for not for long. They went to the Super Bowl last year, and now uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, like Jared Goff in L.A., is old news. And by the way, McVay willing to dump Goff because he doesn't think Goff could get them back to the Super Bowl. And so he goes out and gets what he thinks is a better deal. Whether we really think Stafford is worth it or not, that's what they think. And so now you wonder if Kyle Shanahan looks at his guy in the same division and goes, well, we can't, we can't sit on Garoppolo. And he might think Kirk is an upgrade. I, I, I think it's a pretty fair trade of, you know, batches of, of loaves of Wonder Bread to me. It's, 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 a, it's a fairly even trade of good, not great quarterbacks. But you do a deal there and see what you can get, build up your stock, and then that's when you're able to go get Deshaun Watson, who, according to a Texans beat writer, find it here, uh, two number ones, two number twos, and two young defensive stars. <laughs> that's what a Texans beat writer says it will take for Deshaun Watson. Well, if you can get Garoppolo and, I don't know, a first or second round draft pick for Kirk Cousins, then you've then you've accrued a little bit more so you can go out and get Deshaun Watson, who is undeniably an electric Top five quarterback, 25 years old, in his just coming into his prime under a pretty favorable contract. How do you like all that? I don't know. I don't think if it's – I mean, if the Vikings were sitting here right now and you're saying they're just a quarterback away, then you do it. Like, I, I totally hear and agree with what Sean McVay is saying. Like, I'm not trying to get a good deal. I'm trying to win the Super Bowl. As terrible as that trade may be or as bad as – like, let's say it does turn out – like, yeah, that wasn't a very good trade. The Lions end up, you know, that that's their Herschel Walker trade. It rebuilds their franchise. Mm. Uh, if the Rams win the Super Bowl this year and then fall off the face of the earth after that and don't have draft picks forever and have 10 straight 11 lost seasons, but they win the Super Bowl this next coming year, then that's a good trade for them. And that's all Sean McVay saying. And I get that. I still think it's a bad trade, but sometimes you mortgage the future to try and win right now. Mm -hmm. If the Vikings were in a situation like that where it's like, all right, if they bring in Deshaun Watson – then they instantly become the favorites to go to, to win the Super Bowl, go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. Then I would say, yeah, do it, however many draft picks or whatever you got to do, okay. But do we think that based on, you know, how much the defense struggled last year, uh, based on just, you know, Kirk Cousins, again, was by no means 
a terrible player last year. Do I think Deshaun Watson's better than him? Yes. Uh, does he instantly make them a Super Bowl contender? Maybe. If the Vikings think so, then then yeah, I guess okay. You 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 mortgage that future, or you do whatever you have to do. Um, when they you made reference to the Jared Allen trade earlier, mm-hmm. that one they gave away essentially an entire draft one year. You know, I, I, I'm that was pretty close to what it was. And Vikings fans were like, yeah, cool. We can either you know a guy who's was at the time the best pass rusher in the NFL uh, for a few draft picks when that was kind of the missing piece. That was a good trade, and in hindsight, that was absolutely the right move to do that. Um, but, you know, I just don't know if that's where the Vikings are at right now, so I'd be a little nervous about giving all that up, and then all of a sudden, okay, maybe Deshaun Watson makes you a you know, a little bit better on offense, but you can still have all these holes you can't fill because you traded away draft picks, whether it's on defense or tight end or offensive line or whatever, you know, then maybe you're still right back where you started. Maybe I I think that the Vikings are a quarterback away from being a lot closer to the Super Bowl, and it's I just went back just for my own good measure. I'd be lying if I said I watch a lot of Deshaun Watson. I watched a little at Clemson. We saw the Vikings and the Texans this year, and the Texans were trying to get Bill O'Brien fired, and yet despite having a really crappy team that went through a coaching firing, Deshaun Watson's the uh, led the NFL in passing yards. He is the top running quarterback in the NFL according to the PFF grade, third rated quarterback overall by the PFF grade. These things aren't perfect, but, you know, a lot smarter people than us. Brady was number one. Rodgers, number two. Interestingly, Watson's number three ahead of Mahomes. And he's also the number two rated passer by passer rating this year. And we we know he's good. If you've seen him, he's got, of course, stuff that Kirk Cousins doesn't. He is able to buy time and escape pressure. And he can make impressive throws under duress. And he can make the crazy off-balance throws. He doesn't quite have the crazy, sick kind of throws under duress or while being sacked like Patrick Mahomes does with those weird arm angles. But, I mean, he is exactly what you need in the NFL, where, of course, overall offensive line play has just continued to decrease because most offensive linemen cannot win one-on-one battles with Aaron Donald-type freaks, Daniil Hunter-type freaks. That's the way the NFL is now. Anyway, the Vikings clearly have continued to struggle with protecting Kirk Cousins enough uh, to where, yeah, he can throw for a bunch of yards, especially when they're trailing by 20 or 30 points. But uh, he's going to make the big mistake of not feeling the pressure and not, you know, not making the right move in the critical moments. Deshaun Watson appears to be the kind of guy that can do that. And obviously he'd be working with weapons like Dalvin Cook, a top two or three running back, Justin Jefferson, a top five receiver, Adam Thielen, a top X, I don't know, 15 receiver. And the defense cannot be nearly as bad as it was last year with the Vikings. I don't know if they're going to get Hunter back. Hunter might be a part of a trade if they wanted to actually try to pull off a trade for Deshaun Watson. Um, I don't know if he's worth whatever he's going to be asking for. But uh, the defense can't get much worse than it did last year, and that was partly because it was quite hurt and quite young. I don't know if Zimmer's the genius enough to get all you know to get all these younger guys, especially in the back seven, that much better. But uh, but yeah, so there's 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 my case that on the that on the money plays and the winning plays, uh, I think you give Watson, you put him into that into that Vikings offense. I'm not saying they'll be quite like last year's Kansas City Chiefs, who had a who had a league average defense that explosive of an offense, that type of quarterback, and won the Super Bowl. But two years ago, the Chiefs had that explosive of an offense, and you're not going to have a better quarterback in Mahomes. You're not going to find better receiver than, or faster receiver than Hill. You're not going to find a better tight end than Travis Kelsey. But you can have that mold and an average defense and get pretty close. And I figure you may as well try. I don't think it would be a Herschel Walker type of, type of calamity, but... There. Did I make a strong enough case? Yeah, I mean the Texans were four and twelve this year. And I mean, I know you know, they were they were kind of a shit show in a lot of different ways, but we've been talking so much about how if Kirk Cousins was an elite quarterback, he'd be the kind of guy who could, you know, not necessarily win games on his own, but you know, he wouldn't need this perfect supporting cast around him. Yeah. You know, at times he's gotta be able to do it by himself. Well, Sean Watson completed seventy percent of his passes and threw for forty eight hundred yards or whatever. And they went four and twelve, so I mean that's a little bit of a red flag too. I mean I like Deshaun Watson, I think he's better than Kirk Cousins, and obviously he's younger and all that. But I just don't know if it's this sort of slam dunk that oh yeah you you mortgage the future for this guy because he's that transcendent of a player. 
I don't know if he is. I think he'd be the best player at the moment if you wanted to get off of Kirk Cousins, who, by the way, uh, if if you do away with Kirk Cousins in some fashion, uh, it's going to be a 15 to $20 million cap hit this year and then like $35 million next year. So this is when to get rid of him. And again, we're not arguing that Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback or the number one reason why the Vikings uh, have only won one playoff game in his time and were 7-9 and nine last year with some really ugly, awful, horrible losses to bad teams. But again, if you want to be a Super Bowl team, to, to me this is the best idea. Like, I've had some bad ideas. I, you know, this is all fun and games for me and even for you. Uh, probably more for me because you're the more intense Vikings fan. You tend to lean a little more conservative on these kind of concepts. But, yeah, I wanted Nick Foles after, what he, after he passed for 1,000 yards in three playoff games. That would have been a bad idea uh, for the Vikings. Uh, I, I, liked Tua, I liked Tua because of all the characteristics I described in Deshaun Watson that we see in Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and uh, obviously a rookie contract. I, I would have I loved to see the Vikings trade for Tua. That probably wouldn't have been much better than what we have uh, this year, especially we got to see Tua play. He's okay. Uh, he's got a learning curve, and who knows if he'll ever be Deshaun Watson level. Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson level, so that's partly why I think it would be uh, an interesting deal. Jimmy Johnson, by the way, who was, obviously came out the victor in that Herschel Walker trade, uh, I heard him on the radio today say that, uh, and this this might be a Captain Obvious remark, Herschel Walker did not have nearly the value at the time when he was with the Cowboys that Deshaun Watson has right now. If Jimmy Johnson were running the Houston Texans, he wouldn't listen to any offer. He would keep Deshaun Watson. He would, there's no haul big enough, which, uh, which I found to be an interesting remark that tells you I guess how, you know, elite NFL minds who assess talent considered Deshaun Watson to be. But, uh, and obviously a lot of other teams, a lot of teams are on the phone. And again, I don't think the Vikings can, or it would be worth it for the Vikings to go straight to that trade and give them cousins, two first rounders and, you know, two young defensive players and it'd be worth it. But again, if they would go through the Niners first, get Garoppolo and then put Garoppolo in, uh, with the other stuff. I guess it's not that different from putting Cousins in with that stuff. I don't know. It's, it's one way of looking at it. By the way, do you have any interest in Garoppolo? I'm guessing, judging by off everything you just said, of course not. No. Yeah. I mean, you're not. That's not an upgrade. Okay. So there's that. That was fun. Um, do you want to do you want to go to uh, the Jacks and the Yotes and uh, preview that? Or do you want to go straight to... Uh, just stay with the NFL, get our Super Bowl picks and stuff out of the way, or save that for the end. Why do you always ask me that? I don't know. I don't have a preference. Well, okay. It's well, no, it's our show. It's called Nobody's Listening Anyway. I guess no, that's. I meant, like, I meant like the figurative show. Like you're running the show. Let's go. Okay, fine. <laughs> I, I guess I like that out of you. Um, yeah, let's yeah. let's let's save the uh, the Super Bowl stuff for the end. Although. One other thing, one other note, I didn't know if you saw this from the uh, from Vikings news. Uh, I guess they are interviewing the uh, wide receivers coach from the Giants yeah, I just saw that, yeah. for the OC position. Some 53-year-old that I've never heard of um, who I guess has some, some sort of ties to Mike Zimmer. I, I wrote it down. i got to find them. I write all these notes and then I misplace them. But, uh, I believe he was the wide receivers coach for the Broncos under Kubiak. There you go. That's so, it. So it said he had the tie to Kubiak, not necessarily Zimmer. Right. You are correct, sir. And Which is interesting because the Vikings have made Keenan McCardell their wide receivers coach. They've taken their wide receivers coach to make him the quarterback's coach, which is what Clint Kubiak was. And I think a lot of people, and I said this before Kubiak retired, just expect Mike Zimmer to want to go and not revolutionize the offense whatsoever. He's, 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 he is run the ball guy, run the ball, play action. Uh, so I think that's what you're going to get, no matter if it's Clint Kubiak or uh, Tyke Tolbert from the New York Giants. But there you go. Um, I, that, that cannot excite anybody, but um, how do you feel now that it appears that no matter what, the next guy running the Minnesota Vikings offense will not be will not be changing much or evolving uh, evolving much. You're going to get what you're, you've been getting. Well, I mean, I think that's okay to some degree in that the Vikings have given no indication that they're looking to rebuild. Uh, and if that's the case, you know, there's probably no real reason to shake things up, uh, especially when the offense was really good last year. You know, it's easy to go, oh, they're seven and nine, but I mean, they were, you know, top, top of the league top half of the league in most everything and very high in, in several stats. What are you doing? 
what are those papers that you're shoveling or something that's blurring my ear out really because i'm turning yes. you, must, you must hear it through my phone not through the microphone because i've got the mic turned down so <laughs> so other people can't hear it. you're the only person that hears it and i am sorry about that yes well, i'm so. straight yes i know you complained it's it's a fair complaint you complained about the notes a while ago because you thought i wasn't paying attention to you when i was looking at my notes but i don't know there's a lot going on today and i took some notes so you're the only one that hears it but i will stop shuffling them okay <laughs> And I'm listening. I am listening. I am listening to you. Possibly have multiple pages of notes for this podcast. How does that work? I don't have a show anymore, Matt. This is all I got. (laughs) Just for the record, I have no notes for this show. Of course you don't. Sometimes it shows and sometimes that's good and uh, whatever. Uh, Uh, Anyway, the offense isn't broken. So that's why I think they're looking to keep it somewhat close to what they were doing. Uh, I kind of like the idea of maybe going outside the organization with this this other guy that's from uh, where's he at now? The Giants, did you say? Yeah, he, Giants wide receiver he, coach. And he used to be with Kubiak in yeah, Denver. Correct. Uh, I, I guess I like potentially bringing someone from outside the organization because that can you know bring some good ideas in, although obviously that didn't work out at all with uh, DiFilippo when he came in. Uh, but also by the same token, you know, promoting Kubiak's kid – on the one hand, it you know feels like nepotism, and you're like, come on, really? Mm-hmm. But but he's a young guy too, and I like that. You know, I mean, again, it's not like Kubiak's offense stunk. So no. nepotism or not, it's a good offense. Uh, the kid probably knows it, and also I like the idea of getting a young guy in there. I mean, look at what Kevin Stefanski did. You know, he was pretty good uh, coordinator for the Vikings, and then he goes to Cleveland, and you know, has was very successful in his first year as a head coach. I don't think it would hurt, especially given all the things that you've said about your opinion on how Mike Zimmer handles the offense or sort of rules over the offense. It might be good to have a young guy go in there and say, Hey grandpa, let's try something different here a little bit and uh, in, infuse some, some life and some youth into it. Uh, so, so both of those candidates, I, I, I see positives in both of them. I just don't see, uh, I, I don't see Mike Zimmer allowing Clint Kubiak, although he's young to do much different from his uh, father. And again, I, I think this offense needs a more, mobile quarterback to throw more early in games and early in drives to open up the run for for Dalvin Cook. We've discussed this many times. They get a lot of yards and low output. They get a lot of bombarding statistics when they're trailing in bad games, um, like the early losses this year uh, to the, like the Colts and the Oh, who was it? The Packers in Week One and uh, Atlanta. But anyway, um, it's it's still. I'm not going to deny it's a good offense, and the continuity part would be good because. I mean, it'd be because this whoever's going to be their coordinator, I believe, is going to be like their sixth coordinator in six years, and would will be you know Kirk Cousins' fourth in his four seasons if he indeed stays, and they don't pull off some mammoth trade for him. So that part is good, but I maybe a few little tweaks here and there. I don't expect anything revolutionary because I just Mike Zimmer does not seem to be the kind that will adapt to that. I just that is that is what he has shown so far. Well, we've had that conversation before, and I don't fully disagree with you but as i've said before at some point he's going to recognize or or should recognize uh that his seat is getting a little warm mm. uh, and, and if he feels and if he starts to get it that like dude it's time to win or go home uh i think that might behoove him to whether it's you know loosen the reins a little bit or be more open-minded to new ideas or or, or just flat out tell his new offensive coordinator, like, hey, yeah, I'm coaching for my job here, so don't fuck this up. I mean, <laughs> however it ends up working, I'm not quite as convinced that he's going to, you know, stubbornly stick to what he's been doing before because I think the stakes yeah. are getting a little bit higher for him. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Uh, so here's one thing I did not take any notes on, as I told you before. So full disclosure, uh, because you'll carry the load on this one, uh, the Jacks and the Yotes this weekend. It, I, I've I've wanted this podcast for those who are listening, and uh, there's more than five people listening every week. Believe it or not, even though it's called nobody's listening anyway. We we have a we have a stealth. Uh, we're rolling at a pretty good number every week. And so, and I'm guessing, and I know it's a lot of return listeners. Uh, I, I want to be more locally active in these podcasts. And this is a good time of year because obviously SDSU and USD rule the Summit League in both men's and women's basketball for the last few years now. That's great. But because they do, well... Uh, the, 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 a lot of matchups and games just aren't that interesting and exciting and to me worth talking about versus some of these other, especially when it's NFL season, uh, maybe as we get into February and March. But here we are. 
they get to play each other. Now that's interesting. <laughs> that's finally we got something here. Um, I know both Jacks teams didn't play last weekend. Uh, only the Yote men did. So three of these four teams will be well rested. Uh, but they're all undefeated in the Summit League. So yippee. Uh, let's start with the men. And uh, these games are all in Brookings. How do you foresee these things going? Uh, it's really hard to say. I mean, USD kicked the shit out of them the first time they played. Uh, you know, I think the, the the Jacks didn't have Doug Wilson in that game. Uh, the Jacks, I think, probably, whether you want to say they overlooked the Coyotes or just didn't get up to the game or whatever. Uh, and also USD, clearly, they came into that game 0-5. Uh, Todd Lee had admitted that he was starting to get a little worried about his team's confidence level. It was very apparent the way they showed up in that game that they were just like, we're sick of losing and we're going to win this game. Mm. Uh, it was very impressive and it turned their season around. And that, that was literally the turning point of their season. Uh, it was also the game where Noah Friedel punched Stanley Mude in the nuts and that led to all sorts of other, you know, fallout for both teams. So that's an angle that, you know, this part of it. Uh, do I think the Jacks are the better team? Yeah. I mean, they're just more talented. They're deeper. Um, but also, you know, they've only played four games. Uh, they've had a and only played five games since the middle of December, since that loss to USD. I mean, they've just had so much time off. And there are some positives to that. You know, you get plenty of time to practice and, and work on all the things you need to work on and scout your opponents and whatnot. Uh, but USD's mostly been playing. Uh, and they're 8 0. You know, I think whatever their winning streak is now. And, you know, I don't want to take credit away from USD by any means, but their schedule is very. Uh, favorable split up, very split up okay. they opened with the first four series that they had were the four easiest teams in the league essentially um, now all of a sudden okay they're eight no good for them that means they took care of business they beat the teams they were supposed to beat but now they're going to have SDSU they're going to have NDSU they're going to have Oral Roberts and, and one other one I'm not sure what the other one is um, it's going to get a lot of har harder for them this is where we're going to kind of basically find out uh, just how good are they really um, I think for USD, given that the series is in Brookings, a split is a good result for them. Uh, a sweep is obviously a great result for them. Uh, if they get swept, uh, that's not even necessarily, you know, it doesn't, not the end of the world for them, obviously, because SDSU's only played a few games. Uh, they'd still be eight and two. It would just mean that they'd, they'd definitely probably have to do really well in some of those other games. So long way of saying, I don't know, you know, it's just hard to compare these teams because, they haven't played a lot of games. It's been a weird season. Yeah. Like I said, the, the Jacks, I think, are the slightly better team. They're at home. Um, but given the fact that they haven't played and USD's on the on a, on a roll, I mean, really nothing would surprise me. Sure, and I can speak a little bit to the whole team that's been playing consistently and the one that's been off a lot because I saw it over the weekend. I'm not saying it absolutely applies, but... Uh, the USF men had had two weeks in a row, four games in a row canceled. Mm -hmm. They go to Mankato to play a team that was technically below them in the standings, but had played so many more games and uh, and had won four in a row. And 90 to 59, I mean, the Mavericks just blew out the Cougars. Now, here's the difference is at least SDSU, the team that has played a lot less than USD lately, at least they're at home. USF had not been on the road yet this year, and they had not been on a road trip outside of Sioux Falls on a bus in a hotel for almost a year. And even though they have a lot of the same best players as they did last year, their first guys off the bench were all freshmen. It was literally their first road trip. So maybe that had something to do with it, but they, did, they hadn't played in three weeks, and they looked extremely rusty, and they never found their footing. Maybe it won't be the same case for the Jacks because they're just that good and they're at home. Although being at home, I, uh, it's you're, you, you know, the shooting sight lines. Well, you're very comfortable. It's your own locker room, sleep in your own bed. Don't have to get on a bus, blah, blah, blah. But you also don't have the fever pitch that Frost Arena can usually be when it can get sold out for, for the Yotes games. So I don't, it's it, it, so you are correct. It is hard to know what to expect. I think uh, let's just put it, it is it is in USD's favor that SDSU has been playing as much. I think we could agree on that, right? Whether it's enough for them to win both games or even one, who knows? I think so. I mean, the only thing, like you know, Doug Wilson, that foot is always a thing. So you know, maybe for USD, you look at it and go, well, it'd be nice if Doug Wilson had been playing the last few weeks, and maybe his foot wouldn't be 100%. He's going to be ready to go. That definitely benefits the Jacks. But still, yeah, I think you know, 
getting one weekend off is one thing, but the Jacks having had three of them already, uh, that, that, that definitely, I think, favors USD. They're, they're playing very well right now. They have managed to play themselves into a nice groove while the Jacks are constantly practicing and practicing and practicing. You know what's really disappointing is there's a couple of really disappointing things going on here, and it's all because of effing COVID. It is, you, you mentioned, and I buried the lead here, but I think it was partly because I wasn't entirely ready for this, t- <laughs> this discussion, but uh, the Friedel thing, man, it would be really cool if uh, this game were in Vermilion or if this game were to be played in Vermilion at some point, uh, if we'd have the normal, you know, they both get to play in each other's home gyms. And also, of course, you're again, there's not going to be much of a crowd. I don't know if the have the restrictions changed at DSU and USD at all. Um, that there or not, they, okay, so, not to my knowledge. So there's just there's not very many like 400 or 500. At, I'm guessing at both of them. I'm guessing they have close right. to the same policy. So I mean that sucks because that's what's great about you know this rivalry. Whether people thought throwing dead coyotes and rabbits onto the floor was uh, going a little too far back in the old those old field house days. Um, I don't know, but I mean, I it's COVID has taken away from us. What would have been, I think a, a fun an interesting scene in Vermilion uh, it, with Friedel coming back after obviously what he had done to Stanley Amude. Uh, I don't know if it's, that's as much fun for you as it would be for USD fans, but it'd be, it'd make things a little more interesting. Yeah. I mean, no one wants, I mean, other than I guess, SDSU players, coaches, and fans who are happy they get both games at home. Other, otherwise, nobody wants that. I mean, the, the fun thing of the rivalry is getting to go to their place and then have them come to your place. And, you know, we all understand why it played out the way it did this year, or at least that that's the format. I don't know if they flipped the coin or whatever, why all the games between the two teams, not just in basketball, but every sport, they're all in Brookings. That's weird. Um, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, probably a good thing for Noah Friedel that, you know, who knows yeah. what – that would be like, I mean, obviously the fans would be all over him and he does kind of thrive on that to some degree, mm. but you know, it would possibly have the potential to get a little nasty too. I'm sure Eric Henderson, uh, isn't sad that he's not going <laughs> to have to keep an eye on that for yeah. an entire game. I mean, it'll still be a thing next year, obviously, but I don't know. I mean, the, uh, the game they played in the Pentagon, it didn't really feel like, you know, an intense rivalry game frankly, until Noah punched Stanley in the nuts. Mm. I mean, that was the only time that there was, but even then it was just because, you know, that's just a thing that doesn't happen. And then when it does happen, things get chippy. Um, there, there was, that didn't feel like a real rivalry game. And it wasn't just because there were no fans there. It was also because the coyotes kicked their ass. I mean, it was yeah. 40 to 15 or something before you knew what happened. And then there, you know, whatever energy might've, there might've been kind of gets sucked out of it. So I'm definitely curious to see if the atmosphere is different or better. I mean, like you said, there will at least be a few hundred fans as opposed to zero like there were in, in the Pentagon. So it should feel a little more intense. The game, there's obviously a ton at stake. So, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be weird and interesting to, to, to watch just like everything has been since we started playing games again during the pandemic. Sure. And these guys all play their asses off. I mean, uh, I was in an empty Bresden arena in Mankato for those USF Cato games and uh, all 40 fans in attendance were kind of right in front of me the whole time, but uh, it didn't take away. Obviously if anybody's been watching college basketball, uh, the the intensity level from the players and the coaches are, is the same thing. The drama and the, elite players doing elite things that's all the same it's all fun it was a it was a white knuckle game yesterday between usf and mankato and i i I've, i felt it just as much as i would if there were uh, there were four thousand fans in that place and plus uh, they're gonna guard each other right amudi and friedel like i don't know if we're gonna expect any sort of extremely physical uh, i don't think amudi's gonna retaliate he's he, he decided not to retaliate in the moment right and um so it, I mean, he's gone for more than forty points uh, once this year, and more than thirty a few times, right? And Friedel's gone for at least for thirty a couple times. That's what will be fun. Is um, these are great players, and are they, are they going to guard each other? Uh, at times, okay. I, mean, I don't think they'll be like a okay. You got him the whole game. I don't yeah. think either team really does it that way. But I mean, they're probably the two best guards in the Summit League. Yeah, you know, Amude has been the best player in the league this year. Um, and then, you know, Friedel obviously, you know, having to sit out a couple games kind of interrupted his season, but, and he's only played a couple games since he, since that ended because of all these 
cancellations, but there's, you know, no indication that he isn't still the same player he was at the end of last year and early this year. Women's game, USD, SDSU games, I should say, both in Brookings. Uh, What do you expect out of those? Well, that one's interesting because, you know, USD was by far the better team last year. And they lost a couple players coming into this year, but still have the bulk of that team back. So they were the consensus number one team in the league this year. Everyone expects them to be the better team. And uh, it didn't quite play out that way. Uh, In the non-conference season, they both played a tough schedule. The Jacks, you know, won all these games against ranked teams. And that's why right now they're ranked number 23 in the country. USD, you know, played well against some of those teams. They played the number one team in the country, South Carolina. Didn't embarrass themselves. Almost beat Gonzaga. Uh, But they didn't win those big non-conference games. So right now, the two teams, you know, they're both undefeated in Summit League play, but right now the Jacks have the better resume. They're ranked in the top 25. The USD isn't. They've had a better year than the Coyotes have. Having said that, I still think the Coyotes are probably a slightly better team. I just think they have better personnel. I just think they're a little deeper. Um, they, they just sort of pass the eyeball test a little bit better. Uh, the Jacks have been their, – their shooting has been super – frankly, to call their shooting inconsistent would be kind. I think it's been consistently not very good mm. with a couple of exceptions. Um, Maya Selland has been unbelievable. I think yep. he's been the best all-around player in the league. Uh, Tyler Irwin's gotten a lot better. Peyton Burkhardt is still a good player. Um, but they still they just don't have anybody they can shoot. Mm. So, you know, and USD has a team that, if you know, if they can lock down – the interior and obviously Hannah Shervin is going to be a major factor in doing that. And it's not like it's just strictly all about that, but you know, if if the Jacks can't make some three point shots or some jump shots, USD is going to beat them and uh, they could easily win both games. Jacks can't shoot. Um, But you know, last year, I think there was clearly a bigger disparity between the two teams Uh, and going into the summer league tournament final, you know, I fully expected USD to roll in that game. And the Jacks were right there with him the whole way. They threatened to win that game. Uh, they just, whether it's AJ or just that team's mojo and sort of understanding how to respond in a rivalry game, how well they play up to their level of competition, whatever it is, you can't count them out. So uh, with with having said that, I think USD is the better team. Mm. Uh, I kind of expect to see a split mm-hmm. uh, this weekend. I, I'd be really surprised if the Jacks won both. Uh, a little less surprised if USD won both, but I, that, that's that's pretty big ask at Frost. I think they're probably going to split. Well, and one thing about those three wins that USD had uh, over the Jacks last year, SDSU was without Maya Selland, and USD had Kira Duffy, and I get it. The Yotes are almost every bit as good, if not every bit as good and potent as they were last year because they've just kind of, Correct me if I'm wrong. Hannah Shervin's just shouldering the more load, so you're just getting more of a power post presence. Uh, but and they, they've brought in some other scorers and shooters to make up for Kira Duffy. But that's you know Duffy out, Selland in. That makes me think these games could be closer. And yeah, the Jacks might win one out of however many they'll play if they uh, two two this weekend or or one out of three if they play in the in the Summit League tournament without any fans. So uh, was that. Was that a, was that a good tidbit there? <laughs> is yes, is, is that oversimplifying it or? Yes. Okay. Yes, John. Here's your cookie. Good. Thank job. you. Okay. Well, I'm just if I'm wrong, you can tell me I'm wrong. Um, so there you go, Jackson the Yotes this weekend, and then it all clears out for us <laughs> for the Super Bowl on Sunday. All right. Who do you got? I know you're rooting for Tampa Bay. Yeah, I am, um, and I think. I think I'm going to pick them to win. Uh, you know, I understand the Chiefs are the favorite. They should be. You know, they, they've they essentially only lost one game this year, you know, with one of them being a game where they didn't play Mahomes. Um, but it's hard to win the NFL championship two years in a row. It's really hard. Uh, and Tom Brady's Tom Brady. And Tampa Bay has, you know, just continued to win games they're not supposed to. They weren't supposed to win in New Orleans. They weren't supposed to win uh, at Lambeau. And uh, for whatever it's worth in COVID world, they're playing at home. Um, I haven't heard. What's, what's the what's the stadium capacity going to be? Do you know? Good question. I meant to look that up. That's one thing I haven't written down before this Jeez, podcast. You got eight pages of notes and you didn't look that up. Yeah, I did not. Yes, it is literally eight pages of notes, four pages, both sides. I can Google that for you uh, while you keep 
while you keep going there. I will say this, because I, I was thinking about this on my jog before we flipped on the mic, is that whatever the capacity is, like in Florida, and I think with Bucks games this year, for what that's worth, I think you know, they. I mean, Florida's a little looser, just like Texas. You'd see more people in the stands. Uh, they're going to let a lot of let a lot of people in corporately, as they always do for the Super Bowl. But that's the deal: is that perhaps if this were like most years, a lot of Bucks fans would gobble up those five thousand dollar tickets on the market, and. Uh, and of course, you're. St- but in the Super Bowl, as we all know, it's so sterile with so many tickets that go out to corporations and uh, people who do not have a dog in the fight who can't afford it. And so you, even in a home team's are- uh, stadium, I might be right. naive, but I just it's nothing. It's going to be nothing like the Chiefs playing at the Bucks in uh, on a like a true road game with nothing but Bucks fans in there. It's not going to be close. And by the way, the Chiefs. Still won that game. The Bucks had a couple late fourth quarter touchdowns, but I mean Mahomes and Tyree Kill lit them up. So that's that's where I think no matter what they're going to cap this thing at, that I don't think that home there's not much of a home field advantage. I could be wrong. I could be way off, but that's that's. Well, I think there's I think. less of one because yeah, you're not going to have a big crowd, and even if you did, like you said, it's generally not the same kind of crowd at the Super Bowl. But there's still something to be said for not having to travel. Yeah. Sleeping in their own beds, yep. all that cliches. I mean, that's worth something. It is. I'm still trying to see what they're uh, uh, NFL announces 22,000 fans will attend the Super Bowl, 30% of maximum capacity at 75,000 seat Raymond James Stadium. So, and that, but that uh, sleeping in your own bed thing, yeah, that helps a 43 year old Tom Brady. So, I, I, I get all that. Uh, and what you say about look the the Bucks are good enough to win. What is this like a three or four point spread? Another thing I didn't look up before this, but I believe I seen, uh, it's it's something like I think it opened at about three last week, and there hasn't. I would guess it's a little more than that. That would surprise me if that's the case, but I believe it. Um, yeah, and and partly you give the home field advantage to the Bucks. So if they're even though it's not as great of a home field advantage as usual, you'd give a, a, a couple points for that. So. That's them telling you they think the Chiefs are probably a five or six point better team. So it's not; it would not be out of the question whatsoever uh, to see the Bucks win, especially the way they've been playing. Um, I'll go with the Chiefs. It's a biased answer, of course, but the factors I put in here: the Week Twelve win did show me something. It was twenty-seven ten going into the fourth quarter. Mahomes um, four hundred sixty-two yards. Tyreek Hill had two hundred sixty-nine yards off thirteen receptions. Touchdowns of seventy-five, forty-four, and twenty. Mahomes is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I get Tom's really good, but Mahomes can do more. He can do better under duress. He's more elusive. He's more inventive. Um, he's more mobile than. Aaron Rodgers, and yeah, the Tampa Bay pass rush is really good, and yeah, the Chiefs' uh, offensive tackle situation, it doesn't look good. I am worried about the pass rush, but if there's a guy that can escape it and make plays over and over again, it is Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid is 19-3, and regular season off a bye, one of the best, if not the best, in the history of the league, 6-2 uh, and two now in the playoffs, and 1-1 one and one in Super Bowls when uh, you're going off a, a bye week. And now part of that is your opponents usually aren't also going off a bye, but um, he, he's, you know, he's a pretty damn good coach and he's probably a better coach and a better uh, tactician and is coached in more of these now a lot more than Bruce Arians has. So I'll, I'll put all that in the pot and go with the Chiefs, maybe by a touchdown. I don't expect a route. And, uh, oh, Steve Spagnola is 4-1 and one as a defensive coordinator against... Um, I guess, against Bruce Arians for what that's worth. I am a little bit worried, though. Uh, I mean, just a tad worried. Because today, Monday, the Chiefs center Daniel Kilgore and wide receiver Demarcus Robinson were on the reserve COVID-19 list due to close contact. So please, somebody, just wrap Patrick Mahomes up in bubble and uh, don't let him... Put him in solitary confinement for... Please. That's... That's the thing with these two weeks in between the games, Zim, is can you could you just imagine if either Mahomes or Brady got COVID and what they would do? I mean you can't you can't move the game back at this point. Mm-hmm. That would be that would really suck. That would be the ultimate twenty twenty thing happening in twenty twenty one. If one of those two actually got COVID, yeah. I think I think they would hide it and they would just play anyway. Oh, I do too. Yes. I I totally think that would happen. You gotta you gotta find a way to play that game, and I hate saying that. I don't think it's right, but uh, I do think that's what would happen. 
one other interesting thing. I th- I thought of you as as the as the week of the Super Bowl began. Uh, I'll get to that in a moment. Do you have any thoughts here on Mahomes if he wins this Super Bowl and where that's going to start to place him in the in the in the pantheon of all time great quarterbacks? And hear me out because we we had a bit of this discussion last week. I understand Brady's got the achievements. He's got the six Super Bowl rings. Greatest. You mentioned you think Aaron Rodgers is the best to do it. The best when it comes to pure talent and what he shows you. Uh, and the, that's why you don't call him the greatest because Brady's the greatest and greatest uh, six Super Bowls comes with that and performing that way under pressure so many times, not just in Super Bowls, but in the, all the championship games to get there. I, I'm with you on that. And if Mahomes wins this, that's just two Super Bowls for him. Brady still has six. But I, I Tony Romo said this, and I was thinking it earlier today. Uh, it's uh, I think Tony Romo was going down the... This would be LeBron James and Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals. This would be Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus in the final round at the Masters or whatever. Um, I, I'm starting to feel a Tiger Woods-Jack Nicklaus sort of thing. That uh, I, if you watch Tiger for most of his career, he, he like he would he would he'd win a lot of matches head to head with Jack Nicklaus. He's better. Um, hits the ball further. Just as good of a pressure putter and short game player. Blah blah blah. Um, but Jack Nicholas won 18 more majors. He had more longevity. He didn't step on his own dick, uh, you know, literally like uh, Tiger Woods did. Um, he didn't beat his body up like Tiger Woods did. Like he handled things better, but that doesn't make it to me. That doesn't make him a better golfer. Uh, like Woods is the best to ever do that. And to me, Patrick Mahomes is, has played so far. Like if he keeps playing like this, he'll be the best to ever do this, regardless of if he compiles the the team titles, the achievements of Tom Brady. What do you think? Yeah, I guess he's just still so young that I, I'm not constantly sort of like that's that's like a fast forward to me. Sure. Like I don't start, I don't start asking about a, a guy's legacy or his place when he's 24, 25, 26, whatever. I mean, what he's done is amazing, and you know earlier on one of the earlier shows I compared him to Marino earlier Marino didn't have the Super Bowl win he did get to one but his first three four years it's just like Jesus this guy's already doing things no one's ever done and I you know were people saying in 1984 that Dan Marino was already like on the short list of all-time greatest quarterbacks it's certainly possible they were I don't know I was a toddler they could probably um, sense the potential sure Absolutely. And, uh, you know, today I think he's probably top 20. Some people would probably have him in their top 10. I wouldn't. Um, and I just don't know. Like I said before, I mean, Mahomes, you know, hit, to some degree his legacy is secure. He's got two Super Bowl appearances and one win already. Very possibly about to get another win and, and make it consecutive too, which a very small number of quarterbacks have done. Uh, he's already in the Hall of Fame. You know, he's had a couple of the greatest seasons of all time. Um, where does he fit, you know, in the in the grand pantheon or whatever? I don't give a shit right now. He's the very Fair. beginning of his career. You Fair. Know, we'll, we'll start to evaluate that and place a greater emphasis on it when he's in his 30s and he's been yeah. doing it for 10 years. I, I knew you'd say that because you want to see it happen for longer and longer. The more appropriate question to you would have been, okay, he already has the same number of Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's almost undeniable he can do more things successfully as a quarterback than even Aaron Rodgers could. Make some money throws and... Everything that we all know—the arm angles, the unbelievable uh, way to escape and sense pressure—and blah blah blah. He's just a pure athlete who happens to be a an accurate, strong-armed quarterback. Uh, he's 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 as memor- as mesmerizing of a quarterback as I've ever seen. But I, you know, you can answer that question. But I'm guessing the answer would be similar. Uh, if he's going to reach catch Aaron Rodgers as the best to do it in in the ability to do it, then you got to see more. I'm guessing. So yeah, your I answer would. would be the same. I, I, yeah, no, I, he's in the he's in the the discussion. Sure. I think. Okay. I'm not impressed with the trick throws and the all this kind of stuff. Like, I'm not not impressed by it, but just like, you know, okay, so he does that once in a while. Um, the, Rogers to me is the the best I've seen, just because he is the most accurate combined with mm-hmm. the arm strength, the mobility, uh, the intelligence, just the total package. Uh, and to be fair, I've I've seen Rogers a lot more than I've seen. Mahomes, not mm-hmm. just because he's been doing it a lot longer, but because I watch the Packers more than the Chiefs. But 
Um, he certainly has a chance to get there. I'm just not ready to even really entertain that thought yeah, four years into his career. The great things about the carnival plays is they so ha- often, because of course I watch the Chiefs almost every week, they so often are like on third down and they keep drives going and they turn out to be big plays in that game at, at that point in time. But, but also I'm sure, John, you've seen you know people complaining about it on social media, mm. but he's not the only quarterback that does stuff like that. Just for whatever reason, when he does mm. it, it's like this crazy thing. I mean, you know, We've seen a lot of other quarterbacks make jump passes or across their body, and because you see it all the time on Twitter, someone going like, "If Mahomes did this, Tony Romo would have just shit his pants." Blah 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 blah. There's a little bit of truth to that. I'm not saying that you know Dak Prescott is making the same kind of trick throws or whatever that Mahomes is, but he he didn't like. I, I don't think invent this entirely new new skill set. That's fair. A lot of people like Tony Romo, who are analysts who have seen everything uh, for a long time or I just older Romo's guys. Name out of, random it could have been any guy no, well, that, you know right i think of romo because he's because he's because he is you know he's like a little he's like john madden when he was a younger announcer he's amazed by everything whoa you know it's like right. playing peekaboo right. with a four-year-old but right. um but multiple multiple you know legends of the game analysts dot 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 they've all said they, they've never seen quite anything like this but to your point it's not that much better that much cooler like he's just on this whole entire different stratosphere that's entirely fair all right so that's it that's the last note um we're done thank you as always matt appreciate your time and uh enjoy enjoy the super bowl we'll have a lot to talk about next week thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week on nobody's listening anyway why are you laughing that was a terrible outro fuck you (laughs) you guys need a round of drinks yes